The views presented are those of the speakers and do not necessarily represent the views of the Department of Defense or its components. Zoomies, welcome back to another episode of the DFM series where we welcome Mr. Chase Lane. He is a 2011 grad who spent a few years as a program manager and went on to become a management consultant for a few companies including Light and Wonder where he is now. We touch on topics including the day-to-day of a consultant, the skill set needed for such a profession, the strengths and weaknesses of USAFA grads, and lots more. Tune in for all the details. You cleared out. Mr. Chase Lane, it's great having you on. Welcome. Hey, thank you, Andrew. It's great to be here. Uh, been been talking about doing something like this uh, with the management department for a really long time. So thank you for stepping up to the plate, man. It's great. Uh, listen to a few of your episodes. Um, really, really fantastic content. Something I wish uh, was around when I was a cadet. Uh, so hats off to you. Happy to be here. Well, I just hope uh, some of the cadets take advantage of it because... I mean, I've had the conversations with all these really experienced and knowledgeable perspectives, but I just hope that other cadets uh, kind of take advantage of that as well. Yeah, I hope so too. So to get right into the questions, um, can you describe what your role in industry looks like, um, what you do on a day-to-day basis? I mean, people, they can't see you. You're not in uniform right now. You're out of the military. Yeah, absolutely. I've been been out of the military since 2018, uh, and I know kind of the focus of this podcast is is on management consulting. Um, so I'll kind of just really quickly in in a minute, kind of talk through my professional background, tell you what I do today, day to day, and then uh, we can drill into consulting however you'd like. Um, but I, 2011 grad, uh, Squadron 22 and Squadron Five. So go. Uh, Go Wolfpack, uh, management major, acquisitions officer uh, at the academy. Um, did that for a couple of years and then got picked up for the academy faculty pipeline uh, program. And so went and did an assignment at Notre Dame for two years, got an MBA. Uh, pretty pretty great assignment. Encourage folks to look into those kinds of educational opportunities. Then I came back to the management department and, and taught there from 2015 to 2018. Uh, and decided to leave the Air Force and uh, pursue management consulting. So I think, again, that's what we're going to talk about mostly today. Did that for mm-hmm. a little over three years with a company called Carney. It's kind of a, a top uh, you know, management consulting partnership, international company. Um, and then I left that company and uh, spent about a year and a half doing uh, sort of an operating executive role for a, a small uh, private equity owned uh, company sort of turning that company around and working to transform it. And now to start a new role in uh, November. So what is that like four months ago or so uh, at a company called Light and Wonder, which is sort of an integrated uh, casino uh, company where we manufacture slot machines, make casino themed games, do online gaming. And my day to day now is I'm, I'm a, the director of operational excellence for the company. And what that means is I find uh, both obvious and creative ways to reduce cost and improve profit margin. Uh, so anything that involves incremental revenue generation or anything that involves taking cost out of things uh, is sort of my my area. 
Uh, and so day to day, really, it's a, a combination of making sure that all the various initiatives that we have that are ongoing to, to do that are on track, that people are aligned, that they have the support that they need, both analytically and from sort of a leadership perspective. Uh, and then quite a bit of time spent identifying, you know, what's what's next, right? Because in, in the corporate world, just like in the Air Force, you never stop trying to improve and get better. So, you know, what 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 process can we re-engineer to be more efficient? Um, you know, what can we do on our manufacturing line to to improve the quality? Uh, you know, how can we look at our logistics uh, to make the, the, the streamlined and cheaper? Um, what about our supply chain? You know, how can we make that more resilient? How can we uh, get get better results? Um, our people, you know, are, is our organization structured correctly? So I, I work for the, the chief strategy officer of the organization and, and basically work with him and the rest of the C-suite to kind of execute that, that, that mission. It's been great so far. Love it. A uh, lot of meetings, a uh, lot of Excel, a lot of PowerPoint, a mm-hmm. uh, lot of gaining consensus is, uh, is quite a bit of what I do. So it's kind of the day-to-day of uh, my job today. Yeah, that little walkthrough uh, over the summer, I read a book called Good to Great. Yeah, it sounded pretty much exactly kind of like the walkthrough of the chapters in that book. Is that a a decent way to summarize it? Yeah, that, that's a good book. I'd have to go back and and reread it. It's been it's been some time. I think I read it. Gosh, maybe last in my MBA program, but it's a great book. Um, and really, you know, talks about how organizations go from good organizations that are performing into really truly world class organizations and. At the corporate level, I mean that's that's the, the goal of any of any public company, or any company really, but any public company in particular is to really get to that next level. So yeah, Light and Wonder is kind of in a transformation right now, uh, divested to large business units, paid down a bunch of debt, and it's kind of you know leaner and meaner, but but mm-hmm. you know a lot of inefficiency needs to be worked through before it can really be be great, uh, and and that's kind of part of the objective of, of my job. Is what you do now, what you've done for all the other companies previously listed? Uh, it, it's, it's similar. It's similar. So if you're, if you're talking specifically about management consulting, um, I don't want to preempt any questions you're going to ask later, but, but yeah, I mean, management consultants that, and if I hope no management consultants listen to this, because if they do, they're, they're, they're going to hate this analogy because we all, we all hate it, but it's, it's the easiest analogy I can make to just make it crystal clear at a basic level, what a management consultant does. Effectively, you are a doctors for businesses, right? So you, you, you get brought into a business situation normally by a senior executive, like CEO or COO mm-hmm. or CIO, something like that. And they're, it, they're bringing you in as a management consultant because they're experiencing some kind of problem in their business or they have to make a major decision, right? Uh, so it might be, oh, you know, my, my supply chain is becoming more expensive or, you know, I want to invest in this strategic initiative, but I'm not sure how it's going to affect the rest of my business or my, my profit margin is down. My, my costs are up, you know, symptoms. Right. And what, what the skill set of a consultant is, is going into that organization, bringing all that corporate knowledge to bear and, and helping to identify the underlying cause of the problem and then prescribing a method of attacking that problem uh, and, and getting it solved, right? So the, the problem set that a management consultant can deal with is 
kind of infinite, you know, across any number of business situations, but, but the methodology is usually the same, you know, there's, there's kind of a a fact finding that'll happen, right? Okay. The problem is X. So you'll sit down in a room with, you know, your, your, your closest friends, uh, your colleagues, you're going to spend 80 hours a week with for the next, you know, six weeks to six months solving this problem. And you'll come up with a series of, of hypothesis, uh, hypotheses, kind of like, you know, in, in, in the scientific method, like I, I think the problem is this, uh, you know, I think this, I think this, and you'll write all those out uh, in a very structured way. And then you'll go out and you'll seek information that either validates that hypothesis or crosses it off the list, right? Until you get down to, okay, this is truly the underlying problem that needs to be solved. Um, and, and, and then you'll figure out, you know, how to use the resources of that organization to, to attack that problem and go after it. Uh, you'll then kind of present that, that plan to the management in charge, uh, and, and hope that they, uh, take the advice and execute the plan. And, and sometimes you'll stay on, uh, you know, to, to see that through implementation or execution, but oftentimes not. Right. And so that's kind of the difference between consulting and what I'm doing now, uh, as well as what I did, uh, in kind of my interim job there at the, uh, private equity portfolio company is, not only are you solving the problems, you know, identifying what they are, figuring out how to solve them, but you're also actually on the hook for making sure that the work gets done and the problem does get solved. Uh, and so it's a little bit of a different angle, but um, quite a bit of the same, uh, quite a bit of the same stuff. Okay. I wonder why, uh, why do, why do consultants not like that analogy? I don't know, man. It's just because, because it, I, I, I think it's a little bit disrespectful to doctors, uh, just because there's, you know, it, it's such a tremendous, uh, mm-hmm. tremendous different career field, different education requirements, people's lives are on the line, you know, and, and for a consultant, it's kind of like, well, okay, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm solving a problem that's going to increase corporate profits and push earnings per share up another couple cents, you know, that that's great. It's not uh, as selfless as an actual doctor's work. No, it's it's yeah. it's not it's not selfless in most cases. Although there's certainly a lot of pro bono consulting, and I've done some great uh, pro bono consulting that I really enjoyed. Um, but no, I, I I think it's really I think it's really that side of it that consultants don't like. But but I I hold that the underlying analogy is accurate. You know, you're mm-hmm. you're addressing somebody or or a business, understanding the symptoms figuring out what the true issue is and then coming up with a method to solve it. So, okay. Since you've laid out kind of what you've done outside of the air force, what is, what has been a major challenge in this industry as well as what has been extremely rewarding? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Gosh. So consulting is consulting is a challenging industry. Uh, I, I would say the, the biggest challenge in consulting uh, and something that actually the, the academy really helped me, helped me with more than I expected at the time is just the, the, the amount of, I don't know, the, the, the breadth of problems that you see are tremendous and they're never truly repeated, right? And they're, they're very complex and they involve uh, you know, business models and functions and, and things that you are probably not familiar with, but you still have to go in and be the expert. You know, you're, you're there to provide 
expert advice, actionable advice, you know, things for like the, the CEO of a fortune 500 company, right? Like that's, that's a big responsibility. Um, so that, that's probably the biggest challenge. I think anyone goes through in consulting is, is that, is that imposter syndrome, right? That feeling of like, oh my gosh, you know, I have to solve this intense problem, but I don't know anything about making these widgets. You know, I've never, I didn't even know they existed until I, I came onto this engagement or I don't know anything about IT systems. Uh, you know, I have no idea this, this product even was around before I came on this engagement. Um, but, but what I think the way I overcame that challenge for me was just kind of thinking back to all of the things that I had to do at the academy that I didn't know anything about, wasn't interested in, and, and were hard, right? Like for me, like, why did I have to take uh, aeronautical engineering? You know, did, did I ever use that in my Air Force career? No, you know, no, I did not. But did I use it in my consulting career? Like, actually, yes. You know, there, there were times where I had to think back to like those concepts, you know, to try to understand mm -hmm. how a product would work or electrical engineering. Like, did I ever think I was going to care about electrical engineering? Absolutely not. Right. But but what happens when I had to solve a problem, uh, you know, with with a large uh that involved a large electrical system, right? Well, I, I could draw on that. And, and even if it wasn't a specific example, like from a class that required me to dust off my old physics textbook or whatever, I think it's just that, that, that method that the academy teaches you to not, not be afraid of an uncertain circumstance. Don't be afraid to dive in with both feet and learn something new. Uh, and that like you, you, you can do it. Um, and you will do it because you have to do it and that's your mission, right? So I think that's probably the most challenging thing going into consulting is just having to deal with that much information in so many different ways. But that's kind of how I overcame it. Just looking at things from that perspective and, and trying to have that positive attitude. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think the most rewarding thing in consulting is is getting to spend time uh, with uh, the caliber and, and type of people that that you get to spend time with. Um, something that the you know you, you're really lucky, Andrew, going to the academy because everybody around you is is smart, talented, motivated, um, you know, aggressive in pursuing their goals. Uh, people that are going to go off and do amazing, incredible things uh, in the Air Force mm -hmm. and in the world that that doesn't exist everywhere. Right. I mean, that probably didn't exist uh, for you in, in high school. And, you know, someday once you're out of the Air Force or at your unit, like everybody might not might not be that way. Uh, yeah. And that's the same thing in the civilian world. But but in management consulting, I think that that was the most rewarding thing for me, just that the caliber of the people that you get to work with uh, felt a lot like being back, you know, sitting in the squadron with my friends trying to figure out something really, really hard. Um, but you're all in it together. You're going to succeed and fail together. Uh, that's probably what's what was most rewarding. Mm -hmm. Yeah, on this podcast, a lot of uh, people kind of circle back to their time at the academy and how this breadth of knowledge, as much as we don't feel like it serves us here when we're at the academy, but it does eventually come back to service somehow. However, I have never talked to anyone that has said Chem 200 has been useful. <laughs> well, I, I, I have never, but you know what? I've never done a project at a, at a chemical manufacturer, but I'll tell you what, uh, 
if you're going to work in oil and gas or you're going to work in, in petrochemicals, which a lot of people do, um, a lot of people in consulting as well, I bet you that that chem knowledge comes in handy. So don't write it off yet. Don't write it off yet, Andrew. I'll try not to. <laughs> so um, in, in your industry, where do you see USAFA grads shining, but also where do you see them struggling? That's a good question. Uh, that's a good question. So I think you, USAFA grads specifically, where, where you, sh- uh, in, in, in consulting, there's not as many of us that are in consulting or are former consultants as I would like to see, uh, because I do think it's an area where, where uh, academy grads can do really, really well. And in terms of, in terms of succeeding, I would say and this is an obvious answer, but the the older and older I get, the more and more I realize how important this is. Is just leading teams. Uh, you know, coming out of USAFA, especially if you're somebody that tends to go into consulting, like a management major, an econ major, or something like that, you're you're not really a, a deep expert uh, mm-hmm. in in anything. You know, um, and even if even if you do an MBA, right, the goal of an MBA is not to make you a, a, a a deep expert, right? It's to expose you to a lot of different different ways of thinking about business. Um, so uh, I think when academy grads, or even just more generally like military folks, end up in consulting, where they really shine is, and that other people don't have, is that intense ability to rally teams around things uh, and and to lead them to get things done. Uh, and and that's you know that's downward leadership. That's peer leadership. That's also leading up, uh, and I think that's where we really, really, truly shine. Uh, you, you just you get used to operating that way, um, and you also academy grads are also very naturally inclined towards structure, right? I mean, you know that shouldn't surprise you. It's the very first thing you learn when you get to basic is how to march, right? It's a very mm-hmm. structured activity in your life, as we were talking about before you started recording. Very structured, Andrew. So you 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 do well in those environments. Um, and consulting is very structured. Uh, so I think grads and consulting tend to do best in those two ways, you know, demonstrating your leadership ability and really being able to work sharply in structure. Uh, where, where we struggle the most, and in, in when I go, you know, you'll, you'll have to, in the fall, come, come see me. I go back to the academy once a year and, and lecture um, at, uh, in, in the management department. So hopefully I'll be invited back to do that this next year. But I, I always challenge the cadets. I say, okay, so who, who wants to be a business person someday or wants to be in business in some way, shape or form? And it's a management class. So, you know, 90% of people raise their hand and I say, that's great. Uh, you know, what, who, who do you think is your competition? Uh, and I normally get some puzzled looks and then, you know, somebody will say something along the lines of, uh, maybe like undergrad students at UCLA. And I'm like, that's great. Like, that's the perfect example. So what did you do this summer? I'll ask that cadet. And they'll say, well, I did jump, you know, and then I did basic training and then I had leave. And I'm like, that's awesome. What do you think your competition at UCLA did this summer? Right. And I'll get these wide-eyed looks. Exactly. Like your competition at UCLA probably interned at Google or, you know, worked at a startup or went to New York and worked for Goldman Sachs, you know, or went and did an engineering project with Raytheon or something, right? Like 
you are behind. You're behind that person uh, when it comes to competing for opportunities in the business world. You flat out are. So how do you narrow that gap, right? Like, what can you do today to narrow that gap and to give yourself uh, exposure to those types of opportunities uh, because the Air Force won't naturally give them to you? And, and I think that's where academy grads struggle. And honestly, Andrew, it comes, it comes out most at, at the point of entry into consulting, right? Because it's a very high barrier. And now think about, you know, maybe you, you got out of the Air Force, you five and dive, and uh, you're, you're looking to be recruited into a consulting company. But now your competition's had five more years, right, to, to get ahead of you with all of that real corporate uh, work experience that you just don't have. Uh, and so anytime I talk to anyone uh, who's interested in going into consulting, who's still active duty or who's a cadet, I always give them that advice, like think about your competition and then find a way to give yourself that edge, right? Like, can you start a business in your spare time? Uh, can you host a podcast, you know, uh, where you learn a lot of these lessons, uh, you know, uh, well before you've even graduated? Um, you know, can you... Can you, can you snag an education with industry assignment? Uh, can you find a way to go get your MBA? You know, like you have to be thinking about who you're going to compete with uh, when you do decide to go out into industry. And gosh, I've had to, I mean, I've had to turn a lot of resumes away from really qualified people that I knew would be excellent at, at the job of consulting simply because they just don't, they just don't stack up and people don't think about it uh, that way. Uh, because you are the best of the best at the academy, uh, but but uh, not in every way, uh, and and not all the time, right? So you got to you got to think about those things, and I think that's where we that's where we struggle. So it's part of the reason why I like to come lecture is to give people that advice, and um, part of the reason why, again, I think what you're doing here is a great idea. So, so you're telling me I need a C serp is what you're saying? Hey, I'm telling you, if you can get a C serp, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. Or, I mean, what, what I did when I was teaching, you know, I, I started a consulting company because I said, I want to go be a management consultant and worked it out with, with the legal department and everything else and did it between the hours of like 6 p.m. and midnight. And, you know, I had about a year's worth of projects under my belt by the time I started applying to consulting gigs. And I mean, it, it helped me tremendously. Uh, and, you know, and, and I also did stuff for the Air Force that that you wouldn't normally do. Right. Like I consulted for the soups office. I consulted for the athletic director, uh, you know, things like that, that just they, that that just kind of gave me reps. And yeah, I did just kind of go out looking for it or was it offered? Yeah, you got it. You got to go look for it, man, because they're, they're all things that don't exist within the normal structure that you are so used to, you know, mm -hmm. Like, like this, did somebody say, Andrew, you got to go make a podcast? Or did you think like, I'm not sure what to do. I know this is going to help me. I maybe don't quite know how, but mm -hmm. it will. So I'm going to do it. Right. And now, you know, you, you, you get out of the Air Force in five years and you want to go to business school. Like, this is great because you've got all these connections and all these insights and all these, you know, all this content that you've built up that shows that you're serious and dedicated and motivated. And Yeah. So that, that something, uh, something you should always do and something you should always be thinking about. A little bit of a follow-up question to the, the first part of that question. Um, we have this breadth of knowledge. Do you think 
that the Air Force struggles because we don't have as many um, kind of people who just focus on one thing and get really good at it? I mean, that, that's a really interesting question. Like, does the Air Force struggle because of that? Gosh, man, I could take that so many different ways. I, I don't know. I mean, one, one example that pops into my head is like pilots, right? Just to, to take it away from acquisitions officers and things like that for a while. But, you know, like in the Army, you've got warrant officers who fly, right? Uh, and then you have officers who fly a little bit, but also command, in the Air Force, every officer flies, right? So by the time you're at a certain level, like major lieutenant colonel, right, you're doing less flying and you're starting to do more kind of office and, you know, uh, back office type work, strategic work, this and that and the other. Is that a good thing, a bad thing? I don't know. You'd have to talk to a pilot, but there's an example of where that comes into play a little bit. But in terms of like what the Air Force needs, I, I don't I don't think the Air Force needs people to be entirely 100% deep into a vertical in most cases when you are an officer. Now, if you're a developmental engineer working on something really specific or powerful, um, you know, you, you, you obviously do need that depth. But like if you're a maintenance officer, do you need to be an expert in the airframe that you're maintaining or, or do you need to know enough about it uh, so that you can lead a large group of people to accomplish something correctly? Um, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So I, I don't know, man. I mean, I'm, I'm in no position to speak for the Air Force as a whole. I, I will say I, 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 it's been advantageous for me uh, because in business as an executive, most of what you do is deal with ambiguity. You know, it, it, like something I'm working on right now, um, figuring out how to, how to do better in our, in our supply chain, right? In, in very, very broad terms. Am I an expert in supply chain? No. Like, absolutely not. I'm not an expert in supply chain, but do I know enough about supply chain to be able to understand uh, what might be going wrong, where I might look for it? Uh, and can I gather a bunch of smart people around me and get them all motivated enough to help me solve that problem? And can I lead that cross-functional team, uh, you know, to make sure that the problem does get addressed, it does get solved and that we're tracking the results? Like, yeah, I can do all those things. Mm -hmm. uh, and those are the kinds of things that I think the Academy teaches you to do, right? Like, think about this, if, if you know, maybe, maybe you want to be the, the, the wing commander someday, right? I don't know, or the squadron commander, or group commander. Are you going to know every little detail about everything that's going on in every one of your squadrons? Like, are you going to know what the training officer in, you know, CS3 is doing on any given day or like what their standard operating procedures are? Are you going to memorize their, their manual? Absolutely not. Right. But are you going to have people in place that can give you information about what's happening and that you trust to lead those teams? Like, I think that that's what the academy teaches you to do. That's what an officer does fundamentally. Um, that's what you do as a business executive. It's all the same. Okay. Just kind of like interpreting commander's intent. Yeah, exactly. Because what else is there? Right. I mean, if, if you're if you're a subordinate, what what do you have besides your commander's intent and, and any rules and regulations? Right. It's your job to interpret that and to execute it and get things done at the behest of that commander. So like when my when my chief strategy officer comes to me and says, Chase, you got to figure out how to do X. He doesn't know how to do it. He might have some mm -hmm. thoughts and ideas and he might share that with me. But what he's giving me is his intent, like my intent is that you go to this function you figure out how to improve it in these ways and like 
here's maybe a couple bounds that you have to stay within. And now you, Chase, you go figure that out. And so how am I going to figure that out? Well, I'm going to go to the next level of people, right? And I'm going to I'm going to do interviews and I'm going to do workshops and I'm going to look at data and I'm going to crunch numbers and perform analysis and be checking in with the strategy officer to make sure, hey, am I still aligned with your intent? Am I still aligned with your intent? Right. It, but you mm-hmm. build up that 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 collaboration, that body of work, uh, that information. And, and uh, that happens every level down. Um, I think it's the same in business as it is in the Air Force. OK. So shifting gears a little bit, um, what was a difficult part about separating? And if there was anything that you wish you would have known going into that process, what would it be? Yeah, I mean, separating is really, uh, it, it's exciting when you think about it, but it's, it's very emotional when it actually happens. Um, so I think the most difficult thing was just the, the, the emotional side of leaving an organization that has given you so much opportunity. Uh, for me, at least, I feel like the Air Force gave me a thousandfold than, 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 uh, than I gave it. Um, maybe everybody doesn't feel that way, but I, I certainly do. Just the, the opportunities um, you know, to be educated, to get, to get an undergrad degree from a place like the academy, to get an MBA from a place like Notre Dame. Like the Air Force did that for me to introduce me to lifelong friends that, you know, I have shared experiences with that I'll, I'll never forget. Uh, the Air Force did that for me. It, it gave me the opportunity to, uh, you know, be an acquisitions officer and help help equip, uh, you know, the people out there really at the pointy end of the spear. The Air Force gave that to me. Um, mm-hmm. even, just, even just fringe benefits, like the Air Force gave me beautiful gyms, you know, and, and cheap travel, right. And places to stay and got me to move all around the country. And these are things that I just never would have done. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, the Air Force gave me this, 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 this warm blanket of just security, Andrew, where even if you're bad at your job, you know, as long as you're not off doing something illegal, uh, the Air Force is always there for you, right? You might, you might not make 06, but you know, there will always be a place for you uh, in the Air Force because the Air Force is you and you are the Air Force. And that that intense sense of identity does mm-hmm. not exist uh, outside of the military that, that I have found yet, uh, that I have found yet. So that was by far the hardest part about, about leaving and the thing that I missed the most. I mean, I talked about that earlier about, you know, the quality of people and this and that and the other. Um, but those, those things are really hard to replicate. Uh, those things are really hard to replicate and, and leaving the air force, leaving the military feels like losing a part of who you are in a way. Um, so I think the only way to deal with that is to stay connected. Uh, Mm -hmm. at least it has been for me. Um, so, you know, not only staying connected to your classmates and your former bosses and subordinates and all that, but just like trying to find ways to continue to be part of that family. So for me, it's coming back and, and guest lecturing and bringing my son to, you know, uh, Air Force football games, right? And uh, trying to trying to stay in that kind of mentor chain, right? Where like people mentored me, now I'm mentoring other people and they're mentoring other people and just like staying involved in that kind of, that, that continuum scratches that itch for me a little bit. Um, 
but man, yeah, it's, it's hard to leave Andrew. It's really hard to leave. Uh, I think it was the right decision for me and for my family, but, uh, something that I'll, I'll miss for the rest of my life. No, I mean, uh, I've talked to a few people who separate and that's the one thing that I think people talk about the most is, um, the people. And if you think about it, I mean, I, I I'm not even in, in, in the air force yet, but just, Oh, you are the math. Doing the math, um, I'm at least giving up or being involved in this organization for 10 years of my life. And those 10 years are, I mean, you can say high school, you're, you're still, it's still be considered pretty formative. So you're spending a majority of your adult life in this type of structure that yeah. you don't even know what it's like outside of it. So I, I, I kind of can feel what you're saying every time I go home and see um, what my buddies back home and going to civilian college is like, I'm like, wow, like life is a lot different. Life is a lot different. And, and, uh, you'll be forever grateful for that, for that difference as you, as you get older and older, uh, because it does, it forms who you are. Uh, and it, the opportunities that the air force gives you are just incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are opportunities, the, you know, the other half of that lecture I was telling you about, telling you about earlier, where I, I, tell the cadets, who's your competition? You are behind, right? I, I always end it with, but you're not really behind, right? Because because you have something that no one else has, right? And that is training for four years in a crucible of leadership and problem solving and structure that no one else has uh, besides you and, and you know, your, your friends at the sister academies. It just doesn't exist. Uh, Mm -hmm. and that is your core advantage that you have to lever for yourself, uh, in, in the professional world. Yeah. So we, we covered uh, a little bit of the, 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 the scripted questions in the previous one. So we'll, uh, we'll move down to, if you have any advice for anybody who's, um, kind of looking to get into your career path, what would you say to them? Yeah. Well, first I would say, make sure you understand what it is. Uh, and you know, anybody listening to this, look me up on LinkedIn. If you're associated with the Academy in any way, shape or form, I will answer any message you send me and get on the phone and talk to you about it, uh, in, in, in more detail, but make sure you understand what it is and that your motivation for doing it is correct. Right. Um, management consulting. Uh, and, you know, again, we're talking about that specifically here. And that was my exit from the Air Force. So I think it's the most relevant. But management consulting is, is it's brutally hard. Uh, it's very, very hard. It's very, very competitive. It's very, very difficult to get into. Uh, and and uh, the, the failure rate is, is very high. Right. And it's it's culturally um, it's culturally very much the top people make it and the bottom people don't, right? There's a culture of, you know, if, if you don't get promoted to the next level, you, you are exited from the organization, right? So that's like, if, you know, if you, if you were a Lieutenant Colonel and you didn't make Colonel, the Air Force kicks you out, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that's just something that people aren't used to dealing with. I think coming from the military, you, that the warm blanket of, you know, support I was talking about, it just get, it, the rug gets pulled if you're not performing. So like, mm-hmm. is that what you want? Do you, do you want to work for 
you know, 50 to 80 hours a week, every week? Uh, do you want to be on the road four days a week, uh, every week flying out to, you know, uh, West Melbourne, Florida, you know, that takes you five hours to get to from where you live. And, you know, you got to take a plane, train and boat basically to get there. Right. And stay in the holiday and express like, is, is that, is that the life that you want? You know, um, are you okay with being away from your significant other? If you have one or your, 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 uh, your kid, if you have one, your, your whole support system, like, is that what you want? Um, too many people, I think, you know, they, they decide they want to leave the air force and they do some Googling and they say like, what's a high paying business career. And they're like, Oh, management consulting, like they make a ton of money or, Oh, investment banking. Like that's, that, they make a ton of money. Well, yeah, you do, but you, you, you definitely work for it. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, and everyone else sees those same numbers. Right. So again, who's your competition? So that'd be the first piece of advice I'd give anybody who's interested in that. Like, do your own research. Like don't, don't just Google and read articles and hang out on Reddit and try to figure out what it is. Like talk to people, call me, get on LinkedIn, figure out everyone who went to the Academy that's ever been in management consulting and reach out and have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with them to learn about what it is actually going to be like and the level that you're going to have to prepare just to even get an interview uh, you know, and then the, the, the level of difficulty in the interviews themselves. Um, it, it takes a tremendous amount of prep and willpower to get it. Uh, academy grads know about that because it takes a tremendous amount of prep and willpower to get into the academy uh, and to survive and to graduate. So it's not new, um, but, you know, do, do your own research. Make sure you understand, like, what it is that, that consulting is and how it works and what your life is going to be like before you even consider it. Um, and then figure out why you want to do it, right? Like most people don't have a dream of becoming a management consultant for like 40 years, right? Uh, some people do, but, but it's, it's more common to use management consulting as a way to do something else, right? So like for me, my dream uh, has always been to someday be a CEO, uh, who knows if that'll happen? I don't know. I, I, I hope that, it, that I'll get that opportunity uh, someday. But, you know, when I was thinking about leaving the Air Force and thinking about achieving that objective, I thought to myself, well, you know, what do I need to do to get there? Uh, and, and the first thing I realized is that, gosh, you know, I've been in the Air Force for seven or eight years, you know, and I've, I've taught business and I have an MBA and that's great, but I haven't really done it. You know, mm. so how can I get out there and and get the, the broadest and most intense possible experience in the business world as quickly as possible uh, to give myself that opportunity to go be an executive? Uh, and that was consulting. Uh, and that's what it did for me. Uh, you know, dozens of different projects across lots of different industries, all different problems, all high level exposure. Um, but it was a crucible, just like the Academy, it was a toll. And I finally, after three years said, Hey, I've, I've had enough, like it's time to, to take this experience, move on and, and become, you know, an, an actual executive. And that's what I did. Uh, and that's where I am now. Uh, and my hope is that, uh, you know, I'll be able to continue to, to progress in my career in that, in that way. Um, and then the third 
aspect would be make sure that you put in the work. Um, you know, it, it's a lot of preparation, a lot of networking, uh, a lot of time that goes into to cracking into management consulting. So, you know, even if you know what it is and you know why you want to do it, you got to be willing to put in the work. Like, hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not Mr. Fitness. I never was at the academy. I was never in the 500 club or I, I was in like the uh, half 500 club pretty much. The right? 250 so, club. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. There you go. I was in the, I was in like the 278 club. Let's not, let's not throw shade on my name. Uh, <laughs> You're um, passing. Yeah. Yeah. Passing. Right. But like, you know, I, you know, could I have gotten like, did, did I know what the 500 club was? Like, yes, of course I did. Everybody knows what it is. Did I know why it would be like something that would help me with physical fitness? Like, of course, right? It's obvious. Like, if you do all that work, you're going to get very physically fit. Did I have the motivation to put in the work? Was I willing to do it? Like, no, right? The, the answer was no, <laughs> to be blunt. I had other priorities. So, you know, I knew what it was. I knew what it could do for me, but I didn't do it uh, because I didn't want to put in the time and the effort to do it. Like, so you, if you're thinking about being a consultant, you gotta, you gotta think about it that way too. Uh, so, you know, anybody I talk to that wants to be a consultant who's active duty right now, I always tell them like, you, you gotta prepare, you gotta start preparing like at least a year in advance, uh, if you want to make this happen and you really got to stick with it and be dedicated. So I think those three things, figure out what it is, figure out why you want to do it. Uh, and then like really understand if you're willing to commit. Mm -hmm. No, that brings back to when you were telling me about, um, just working after your job in the military from six to midnight. Yeah. Like after this podcast, after dinner, um, not that it's necessarily an equivalent, but I have four or five haircuts lined up that I made sure I got all my homework done during the day so I can cut hair up until probably like 11 yeah. at night and then just get enough sleep to wake up in the morning yeah. and do it all That's over again. That's badass, man. I, I, I saw it in your signature block, the haircut CIC or whatever. It is. <laughs> that, that That's exactly what it is. Right. And, and, uh, you know, uh, who knows why you're doing that? I won't, I won't dive into it. Maybe just love <laughs> cutting hair. Uh, but, but whatever it is, like you've committed to doing it, you're putting in the time and you're doing it. Uh, you're making time and you are busy. I know that you're busy, uh, but yeah, you, you have to be willing to do that. Well, Mr. Chase Lane, I really appreciate you coming on and um, sure. I hope to stay in touch and maybe have you on for another episode. Yeah, absolutely. Andrew, um, this has been a pleasure. Uh, again, you know, anybody out there listening the I'm sure hundreds of thousands of, of listeners of this podcast, uh, <laughs> Uh, I hope there will be, there should be, uh, look me up on LinkedIn. If you don't have a LinkedIn, get a LinkedIn. You should have a LinkedIn, Andrew. Um, I do. Get, I'm going to hit you right after this. Good. All right. Send me a message. Happy to talk. Uh, consulting's great. Life after the air force is great. Uh, but you certainly will miss, uh, certainly will miss what you have now. So try to try to know that every day you wake up that you are lucky and you're in a wonderful place that's treating you well and preparing you for the rest of your life. So thanks for having me on and uh, I will talk to you soon, man. Thanks, sir. Well, there you have it. Chase Lane and his experience as a management consultant. 
As he said during the interview, reach out to him via LinkedIn. It's good to have people like Mr. Lane on your side. As always, keep working hard. Thanks for listening. Core out. <laughs>